On this week's show, we've got some good news and some bad news from the federal government. We'll take a quick look back at the year that was 2022, and I've got a pretty good What Sold recap. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 188 of the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. If this is your first time here, where have you been? <laughs> uh, my name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, a part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area. And this podcast, this show, is all about the flip life. We've got a little bit of reselling news this week from the federal government. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what 2022 looked like here at the Galaxy, and then I've got a big, big what sold recap for you uh, because I've been absent for a couple of weeks due to the holidays and just a lot of stuff going on. So welcome to the show. Let's get it kicked off with some reselling news. News updates. So if you follow me over on Instagram, shameless plug at Galaxy CDs Rocks, you will have noticed that I posted this about 10 days ago, but the IRS has announced a delay in the new 1099K tax reporting threshold. I know a lot of sellers were really bothered by this new reporting threshold number, which was previously it was $20,000 in transactions and 200 transactions individually to qualify to receive a 1099K from either a payment provider like PayPal, Venmo, one of those kind of things, or from one of the reselling sites like Etsy, eBay, and so on. And there was a lot of discussion when the, whatever it was, one of the COVID stimulus acts passed. They announced a reduction in that amount to one single transaction and a total of $600 or more in transactions on any individual platform. And that was going to capture a tremendous number of hobby sellers and individual people who were just trying to sell an old toaster oven or whatever it was that they had that was not really going to be taxable income. And it was really going to create a significant burden on a lot of individual taxpayers, not to mention the payment processors who might be going from processing several hundred thousand to several million 1099K forms to send out. As part of the big omnibus uh, spending package that was passed in December, the IRS has announced that they are delaying that switch to the new program at least until tax year 2023. So we're getting a full year reprieve at a minimum. I would expect with all the lobbying that's going on around this issue, that ultimately when this is all said and done, those thresholds will be somewhere between what was supposed to be the new $600 amount and the old $20,000 amount. Some, uh, eBay's lobbying arm is shooting for somewhere between five and 10000 and that's the number I've seen bandied about quite a bit. So I would expect that when this thing actually does go into effect in theory for the next tax year, 2023, the one we just entered, that it will be higher than one transaction and $600. It'll probably be 50 or 100 transactions and five or $10,000, but that remains to be seen. But anyway, the good news is that they have announced that one-year delay of these new reporting thresholds to help ease the transition to the new reporting requirement for taxpayers, tax professionals, and online marketplaces. Uh, this article was on eBay. As a result for tax year 2022, which is the one that just closed, 
only eBay sellers who exceeded the reporting threshold of, as we mentioned, $20,000 and 200 transactions or had backup withholding applied in 2022 or are residents of states that have a lower reporting threshold or receive a Form 1099-K. Some states do have a lower number individually for a 1099-K. So if you're in one of those states, you may still be getting one. Uh, The delay, they quickly point out, and I will remind you, does not change your tax reporting obligations. If you are doing this as a business and you generated revenue, you are required, whether you get a 1099-K or not, to report that income on your federal and state and local income tax filings. Whether you do so, of course, is entirely up to you. And that was one of the things that I have kind of complained about and several other resellers have also complained about with this whole issue is that many sellers try to stay just under that reporting threshold so that they don't have to claim that stuff on their taxes. And it just, A, it's wrong. (laughs) Uh, I get why people do it. I don't want to pay any more in taxes than I have to, uh, but we do have an obligation to do that. And that, that does not change with this change in the 1099 program. Uh, eBay says they will continue to advocate on your behalf. As I mentioned, they're trying to get somewhere in between those two numbers. eBay Main Street, who is their kind of lobbying arm. Uh, the In that community, they say they've made your voices heard on this important issue. While a one-year delay is welcome news for the millions of online sellers, we'll continue to advocate for Congress to enact a permanent solution to reduce confusion and prevent burdensome and unnecessary reporting requirements in the future. So uh, eBay continues to provide additional tax support. For those of you who are interested, they have a tax information center for eBay sellers and a uh, link to a tax act preparation service that you can use with eBay. So uh, there you go. That's some good news from the government. However, there is some bad news to go along with that in that same omnibus spending package, the inform act which eBay, Etsy, and other marketplaces had been lobbying against at one point, was snuck into, they say, uh, this article is on eSeller365, into the omnibus spelling, uh, spending package. eBay, Etsy, and other marketplaces on brink of having to disclose seller details with Inform Act, quote-unquote, hidden in 4,000-plus pages of the federal spending bill before Congress. The big $1.7 trillion federal government spending package in front of Congress this week, which did pass. Uh, This article was out prior to that passing. Includes the Informed Consumers Act, a change that will affect sellers on online marketplaces like eBay and Etsy. If passed, the provisions of the Inform Act would require marketplaces to disclose business seller information in the clear on each listing, as well as require them to collect additional personal information in some situations. There's already a lot of talk about this, and eBay did it to me. They requested a copy of the front and back of my driver's license uh, about six weeks ago. That is part of this whole program. So I know a lot of sellers I've seen on some of the message boards have been complaining about eBay reaching out for this kind of information. Um, That is actually part of this act. So if you haven't seen that yet, you're likely to end up getting that. Uh, Other countries such as the UK already require this type of seller transparency. Uh, There's an example listing, and I'll, of course, link to all this in the show notes and the video description below. The Inform Act, they note, has been controversial from the beginning with big box retailers, making it more difficult for small marketplace sellers to launch businesses online. In May of last year, eBay said over the last 12 months, big box retailers have launched a coordinated effort at the state and federal levels 
to make it more difficult for small businesses and entrepreneurs to sell goods through online marketplaces. The Informed Consumers Act is pushed by proponents as an effort to improve transparency in the online buying process. In its original form, the legislation would have required marketplaces to verify each seller's identity, similar to how financial institutions follow the Know Your Customer regulations requiring sellers to provide a driver's license and other personal information. eBay and Etsy in particular were vocal in opposing the legislation on privacy and security grounds. Well, fair enough, they also believe, this writer did, that the motives by both marketplaces were also to keep shoppers from directly contacting sellers to circumvent filing fees. There were some changes, partly based on those lobbying efforts. eBay provided an update that supposedly would make it more palatable for online marketplaces, and they changed their tune and came out in support of the legislation. The new version of Inform increases transparency, protects sellers' privacy, and will provide one federal compliance standard for online sellers, eBay said. eBay supports the federal Inform legislation, and the company also claimed that the compromise bill language has broad support across industry stakeholders and consumer groups. So this is it was in that bill. As far as I know, it has passed. You can. There is a, uh, a suggestion on how you can go read the actual bill yourself if you're inclined to do so. Uh, they also, in that bill, referred to high-volume sellers. There was a lot of controversy about what this thing looked like. The bill defines such sellers as having at least 200 or more discrete transactions, totaling 5,000 or more in gross revenues over any continuous 12-month period during the previous 24 months. So that kind of ties in with the 1099K numbers that it seems like everybody's pushing for. So there would at least potentially be some standard here where 200 transactions and $5,000 would qualify you to not only get a 1099K, but to have to comply with these transparency regulations. High volume sellers would have to provide the online marketplace with a bank account number, which of course you already have to do in order to get paid. Or if the seller does not have a bank account, the name of the payee for payments issued by the online marketplace to such sellers. Individuals that are high volume sellers will only need to provide their name. However, sellers that are not individuals, if you're a business, you must provide a valid personal government ID on behalf of the seller, which is why they requested my driver's license. I am registered as a business on eBay or provide a valid government issue record or tax document that includes the business name and physical address. In addition, high-volume sellers will need to provide a valid taxpayer identification number, a working email, and phone number. Those are things that I have already had to do as well. (laughs) Uh, You can let me know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. If you had to go through any of this as eBay asked for your driver's license or whatnot, if you're listening to the pod, you can email me at galaxycds at gmail.com or you can DM me over at Instagram at galaxycdsrocks and let me know if you've had to do any of this or what your thoughts are on any of it. They note marketplaces would have to periodically, at least once a year, request high-volume sellers to confirm and certify the information is accurate within 10 days of receiving the notice. If they do not, they'll get an extra 10 days, and if they have not verified their information within that 20 days, they would be suspended from selling on the platform. Sellers with more than $20,000 in annual gross revenues will have their contact information displayed on each listing or in an order confirmation message or document after the purchase. 
This information would include the full name of the individual seller or the company name, the physical address of the seller. If you're using your home address, uh, I can see where people might be a little bothered by that. And contact information for direct and unhindered communication between the seller and buyer, which can be an email address, phone number, or platform-provided messaging system. That, I believe, was part of the update because eBay, in particular, was pretty sensitive about letting sellers and buyers communicate off-platform. So an eBay message actually would count to uh, meet this requirement. There are exceptions. To the contact disclosure requirement, if the seller does not have a dedicated business address, they say this means that sellers that operate out of their residential home address or have a shared residential business address will only have their county and state, or I'm sorry, country and state, if applicable, disclosed. However, shoppers will be informed that no business address exists for this seller and the only communication available between the two parties will be through phone. Uh, Again, personal phone numbers are exempted from this disclosure. So if you just have your own home phone number, that will, at least according to this article, not be provided. Uh, You can get one of those, I don't know, Google numbers, an extra phone number if you wanted to provide one, uh, the email or the platform's messaging system. There's also a new reporting requirement that marketplaces must make available on each high-volume seller listing to report suspicious marketplace activity, but most marketplaces they note already have such a feature. This this will take effect 180 days after the enactment of this act. So this is all going to go into effect in theory sometime late in the spring. This article says probably in late May of this year. So again, in my case, eBay has already reached out uh, because I, I hit all blew away all of those various thresholds. So they've already got my information. If they haven't gotten to you yet, they probably will be soon. So that's, uh, again, that's not great news, but it is kind of the way this thing is moving. So with all that having been said, uh, speaking of of blowing away their thresholds, let's talk a little bit about 2022 and what the year looked like. It was following other sellers posts. It was a mixed bag. I've seen sellers who had record years and I've seen other sellers who did not, (laughs) uh, have a record year for my part here at the galaxy. It felt like it was not really that great of a year, but uh, here at year end, I ran all my numbers just to kind of see. And my December was actually the second best month I have ever had, second only to December of 2020. So we closed with a very strong month here, which ultimately made 2022 my best year ever in sales as a full-time reseller. So that was very encouraging. A business by and large was up. That being said, I did have to work, I feel like, quite a bit harder and do a lot more things to achieve those increases. So we've talked about uh, on this show, if you've been following along for a while, I added Etsy to my assortment back in May. Etsy has been a fantastic uh, platform for me, as we'll see when we get into the what sold. It has far, far outperformed Mercari with gosh, maybe well less than 20% as many listings uh, on the platform. And despite the fact that I only started there in May and I was on Mercari all year, Mercari did thousands of, or rather Etsy did thousands of dollars more business than Mercari did and was significantly more profitable as well. So I've been thrilled with Etsy, but that was something that I added to my assortment. I also added a completely new business with uh, back before Thanksgiving, starting to do print on demand items, 
That has not been a big number yet, but it's really close to $1,000 in gross sales. So that is all plus business as well. So adding these platforms and doing a little bit more and trying to continue to churn out 100 to 125 listings a week, uh, doing a couple of really big buys on, I, I picked up as I talked about, and we'll talk about in the what sold segment, about 15,000 books. I'm in the process of getting about another four or 5,000 more right now. So I've got a lot of stuff going on and all of that effort ultimately did result in better sales. However, the margins were not quite as good. My profit was actually down a little bit versus last year. Several reasons for that. Number one, everything got more expensive. Postage rates went up twice. They're due to go up again later this month. My average selling price went down, but I did sell more individual items. So my shipping costs, in addition to individually being more expensive, there were more of them. So my shipping expenses were quite a bit higher this year than last. I upgraded to a larger storage unit, which cost me an extra almost $75 a month. All of those things added up to, despite having more sales, being slightly less profitable than the year before. Still not complaining. I'm still doing this rather than something else. So <laughs> uh, I, I'm very happy with how things have gone. I would like to make a little bit more money, as would we all. But overall, uh, 2022 closed out very strong, and I'm I'm reasonably happy with how everything worked out. Again, let me know down in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube, how was your 2022? Uh, or reach out to me by email at galaxycds at gmail.com and let me know how that went for you. Speaking of sales, let's take a look at a whole mess of stuff that sold over the last couple of weeks. So this first item, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the weather. I'm in Ohio. So a, a week ago, Friday, it was negative 32 with the wind chill. This week on Friday, it was nearly 70 degrees. So <laughs> uh, over a 100 degree swing at the height of the coldest period uh, so far this winter on Friday, I sold this book, Beautiful Snow. <laughs> uh, there was a certain amount of irony in that. Uh, we didn't really get that much snow, man. It was nasty cold. Beautiful Snow and Other Poems. This was an illustrated hardcover book from... 1871. So this was an old, old book. It was in actually pretty good condition. This sold over on Etsy for $24.99, less the 15% off I was running. So $3.75 off plus media mail shipping. So nice vintage old book of poetry to get things kicked off. Staying over on Etsy, which is a trend that you will see throughout this What Sold. Uh, Etsy, again, as I mentioned earlier, has just been fantastic. I had my best month ever in December on Etsy. Just good, good business over there. Collected works of Leo Tolstoy. This was from the Giant International series from 1938. These were part of a big buy that I did at an estate sale. I'm into these books for about 50 cents a piece. I've sold a bunch of them. At or around this price point, this went for $29.99 plus customer paid shipping, less the 15% off offer that I was running for December over on Etsy. Uh, the first of some print-on-demand stuff. Uh, that, as I mentioned, continues to do very well. This was, uh, I, and this one 
Some would say probably applies to me, but I made a t-shirt and a sweatshirt that says, I'd love to hear myself talk, so I started a podcast. <laughs> uh, this sold, uh, it was a sweatshirt, sold for $27.99, less 10% off, because that was the sale I was running in December for print-on-demand. So essentially, whatever that is, $25 uh, net net. I made about six bucks on this. So again, they're not hugely profitable, but once the design is listed, I don't have to do anything. They handle all the printing, they handle all the shipping, and uh, it's it's been pretty good. So this first print-on-demand item sold again over on Etsy. Another book, finally, something on eBay. Living Water Songs, suitable for all kinds of religious services. This was a paperback from 1904. This was a kind of a song book in actually pretty good condition. It had a little bit of cover wear and a little bit of tanning of the pages, but by and large was in really good shape. This was in my 30% off sale and went for $27.99 with free shipping. This I have had for quite some time. This was also part of a big estate lot purchase. I own this also for right around 50 cents. Back over to Etsy. A Manual of Ancient History. Uh, the author's name is Cutoff M.E. Thaller or something like that. This was on Van Antwerp, Bragg & Company. It was a hardcover from, I want to say, the late 1800s. Over on Etsy, this sold for $34.99, less, again, the 15% discount. This was part of the big 15000 book lot, so my cost of goods sold on this is about a nickel. Another book from that lot. Uh, this was from, I believe, 1904 or 1908, Charlotte Lowenskold by Selma Lagerloff. I've uh, never heard of her, never heard of this book, but this was a first edition hardcover uh, published by Doubleday Page back in the early 1900s. This sold for $39.99, less again the 15% off discount, uh, plus media mail shipping. This buyer... Uh, I don't know if they have never purchased old books before, but if you are a, a user or owner of old books, you'll know that they sometimes have an, let's be polite and call it a slightly unusual scent. They, they smell like old books. And this person maybe has just never bought an old book before. They gave me a three-star review because the book had an odor about it. Um, it wasn't enough to uh, ruin my star seller rating over on Etsy, but it was really disappointing to, to get a three-star review for something that was essentially totally out of my out of my control and is a kind of a known fact with older books but nonetheless this book was in fantastic condition uh any potential scent notwithstanding for a book that was essentially 100 years old so anyway uh 30 whatever that is 33.99 uh that was from the big lot as well so another five cent book a couple of old uh, classical record collections. These were RCA Red Seal red vinyl 7-inch box sets. The San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, Scheherazade, and Peter and the Wolf Carnival of the Animals. I picked these up at an estate sale for, gosh, I, I bought a big bunch of records for probably 25 cents a piece. These were really cool. Like I said, red, kind of clear, see-through vinyl box sets. They each had, I think, four or five records in them, really nice sets. I had one buyer that purchased two of these on a best offer that I sent out. So $34.66 plus customer paid media mail shipping. This was a really interesting piece. I picked this up at a garage sale. Man, I don't, it's been probably two years ago. This was from the early 1900s, a Madmar dissected, dissected map 
puzzle. This was series number seven. This was a 12-inch by 20-inch wood puzzle map of the United States at that time. Really, really cool old puzzle. I was a little concerned the box was a little rough when I bought it. They assured me that all the pieces were there. When I got it home, I did actually build the puzzle to verify that, and all the pieces were, in fact, there. I bought it for a whole dollar at this garage sale. It sold on Etsy for $34.99 plus priority mail shipping, less, again, the 15% discount. Cool old book that sold uh, on a best offer over on eBay, Truman Henson, Sporting Rifles and Scope Sights, How to Build. Uh, first edition hardcover with its dust jacket from 1950. This book was actually in really good shape. The dust jacket had very little wear on it. The pages were pretty clean. This was a nice, nice book. The going rate was in the mid thirties to $45 range. I listed it for $42.99 or best offer. I received an offer for $35 plus shipping. It's from the big lot that cost me less than a nickel. So of course I took the guys 35 bucks. Back over to Etsy. This was a really interesting book. This was also out of the, the big lot, so another five-center. The History of the Heverly Family, Including Multiple Spellings. This was written in 1945 by a guy named Neil Mears. That This brought pretty good money, $44.99, less than 15% off from a cost of goods sold of a nickel. The more interesting thing about this, and this is kind of what I expected might happen, the purchaser of this book had the last name Heverly. So he apparently, he or she, wanted to be able to kind of trace back from the 1940s on back some of their family history or at least the history of that name. So that was a really interesting sale. Nice old hardcover. It was in really, really great condition for a book that's 80-odd years old. Continuing over on Etsy, I told you Etsy has just been killer. Warm Air Heating and Winter Air Conditioning. This was published by the Lennox Furnace Company back in 1948. It was an illustrated hardcover, kind of like a textbook on why you might do warm air heating in the summer and winter air conditioning. Really interesting piece in fantastic condition. This was also part of the big lot. So again, another nickel book that sold for $49.99, less than 15% off, offer plus Media mail shipping. I've already received feedback on this item over on uh, Etsy as well. The buyer said the book was in terrific condition. Two more print on demand. This was actually my first multiple unit sale. So this was the first person that bought more than one item at a time. I had just created the, these listings about two days before this person bought them. Uh, T-shirt, I'd rather be cycling. And a hoodie, it's a great day for a cycling adventure. So... I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but these kind of things, all three of these designs that I shared today were essentially brand new designs. And one of the big things that I see as I watch other print on demand sellers and creators on YouTube is that a lot of designs do not sell. We talked about it a little bit in the last episode where most of them say about 20% of your designs are the ones that are going to sell. I watched uh, I think it's Detour Shirts. He did an experiment back in October. He designed one new shirt, one new design every day in all of October. So 31 new designs. And he only sold, I think, about six or seven different designs out of those 30. So again, in that same kind of percentage range, my success rate is right there or thereabouts. And I, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I'm not an artist. I'm not a graphic designer. So this all is proof of concept to me. Again, to this point, there's not been huge money in it. 
if you factor out, you know, some of the startup costs, I've made a couple of hundred dollars on just short of a thousand dollars worth of sales in about 45 days on print on demand. But to me, based on what I see from other new print on demand, and in some cases, even more seasoned print on demand uh, producers, I am over the moon with how this thing has gone so far. So again, this was two items, a hoodie that went for $28.99 and a t-shirt that went for $18.99, less than 10% off. So this was about a $43 sale all in. I think I made like $8 on the t-shirt and $9 on the hoodie. So about $17 in net profit, again, for a design that in theory will just continue to sell hopefully forever. <laughs> uh, so again, very happy with how the print-on-demand thing has gone. I'm averaging one or two sales a day, obviously right around Christmas and here right around New Year's. Sales just generally are a little bit off, but I've been super happy with how that has gone. Again, on Etsy, the Basque Country Painted by, I can't think of the name here. Again, it's cut off. Romilly something or other did the actual artwork. And then the text was written by Catherine Fedden. This book was a uh, hardcover first edition from 1921. It was part of the big lot again. So a 50 cent cost a good sold. I'm sorry, five cent cost a good sold. This thing went for $50.99 plus customer paid shipping after the discount. So really cool book in great shape. Very little wear on the cover. Very little tanning on the pages. The artwork was absolutely fabulous. It was a really, really neat piece. And it sold for about 51 bucks. Another book also from that lot, same deal, $59.99 minus the $9 in the discount. The Ill-Made Night by T.H. White. This was a 1940s first edition hardcover published by G.P. Putnam's Sons. This was an ex-library book, so it did have some library markings on it, which I always disclose both in the description and through pictures so people know exactly what they're getting. But again, a really nice old uh, piece of fiction that sold for $51 plus media mail shipping. Uh, again, on Etsy, this was uh, three items purchased from my shop. A book tool design by the Rochester Technical Series from sold for $19.99. Mechanisms, linkages, and mechanical couplings from 1965. That one sold for $49.99. And Aeroelasticity that sold for $14.99. So these three old textbooks, all from the 1940s through the 1960s, sold for a total of $72 and some change after the discount. Plus, again, customer paid shipping all out of the big lot. So I've got about 14 cents total in this thing that sold for 72 bucks. That's good stuff, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, you slice it. Those are those are terrific, terrific sales. Also from that lot, a, a, a 1980s Bantam first printing paperback, Cruising by Gerald Walker. This book is really, really difficult to find if you happen to stumble on one and it's in anything like reasonable condition. Grab it. Again, it's Cruising by Gerald Walker. It's a 1980s Bantam first edition paperback. This was part of the big lot. So again, less than five cents. Cost of goods sold. It sold for $84.99, less the discount. So $12.75 off. So still $72 and some change plus media mail shipping. So really great sale there is paperbacks are pretty sketchy most of them are not worth the paper they're printed on uh, in many cases there's so much as i go through my big lot boxes and boxes i was talking to another seller uh, at the post office last week boxes of 
Clive Cussler and Mary Higgins Clark and just stuff that's not even lotted up is just not really worth messing with. But probably once a box, I come across something like this that's a 30, 40, 50, 80, 90 dollar paperback. So it can be worth the time to go through them. Again, this was a really nice sale, even with the discount 72 bucks and some change for a paperback book from the 80s. And now your flip of the week. Uh, This was a really cool piece. The Science of Hitting by Ted Williams. This was a 1970-1971 first printing illustrated hardcover with its dust jacket. Uh, I had this at auction for a starting bid of $39.99. I had a customer that reached out to me prior to Christmas and said, would I just take $100 to end the listing early? I converted it to a $100 buy it now listing, sold it and shipped it out right away. Uh, again, out of the big lot. So a nickel cost of goods sold turned into $100 plus media mail shipping. If you happen to find, there are tons of these out there. Some of the later editions are not worth a ton of money, but if you can stumble on an actual first printing of this book, again, The Science of Hitting by Ted Williams. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the cover. This particular cover is the one that you should be looking for. Uh, it's got him on the cover holding a bat and then like a grid on the side with the different hitting zones and what his batting average was in each of those. There are multiple covers. This is the one you want. It's worth every bit of $100 every day. So that catches you up on what has sold here at the Galaxy since last we spoke a couple of weeks ago. Uh, let me know down in the comments below. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, what, you, uh, what you've sold here lately. How's it been? How was your December? How was 2022? What are your plans for 2023? Let's, let's have a little conversation in the uh, comments section of this video. Uh, if you got something out of this today and you're watching on YouTube and you made it this far, hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that. If you could do me one more solid and whack that thumbs up button, that would be awesome. If you're not currently a subscriber to the YouTube channel or a follower of the podcast, wherever you happen to listen, please consider doing that as well. The podcast, it should be available on virtually any podcasting platform known to man. <laughs> uh, all that having been said, hey, uh, it's been a while. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back to having actually some reselling news as we get into the new year. Things should start to shake loose. Uh, eBay will probably be coming out with their next seller update in the not too distant future. So we should have some stuff to talk about. And uh, maybe you'll hear more from me than once every couple of weeks. Uh, but for now, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.